Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, we're going to once again give you the details of Swinging on the Vine coming May 27th to benefit the Scranton Public Library. How are things in your community? We'll find out with the 2022 AARP Livability Index. Just in time for Memorial Day weekend, the 30th annual Carnival of Jessup Post Company Number no. 2, we'll have your invitation. Maybe you have some time on your hands. You can help out by helping an area veteran. We'll tell you how. But first, we start off this weekend with Saturday, May 21st, being Armed Forces Day. And we salute the men and women serving in all branches of the U.S. military. Joining us today from the U.S. Marine Corps, the Marketing and Communications Chief of the Recruiting Station in Harrisburg, Sergeant Andrew Smith answers the question, could the Marines be right for you? Sergeant Smith, it is wonderful to have you here with us, and you're going to be telling us about the Marines. Tell us about your experience. When did you all, when did you start? Absolutely. So first off, it's a pleasure here to be here. This is an awesome opportunity that we really appreciate. Uh, I came into the Marine Corps in August of 2018. So that made you how old? I'm actually 23. I joined right before I turned 20. So some people joined straight out of high school. I waited a little bit, did some college, and then I ended up joining. Why did you pick the Marines? Well, the reason I picked the Marines was actually really simple for me. It came down to I wanted to do my service. I wanted to serve my community, my country. And when I was looking at the different branches, I was like, well, the Marines are known to be the hardest and the toughest branch. So if I'm going to do it, I might as well go all in. Well, that was going to be my question. You picked what many people consider to be the hardest and the toughest branch. So now, and I promise I won't tell anybody your answer, was it? Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways it was. It really has been. But it's it's awesome. Like That's why you join for that, that challenge right there. So the boot camp, we have the longest recruit training. Ours is 13 weeks down in Paris Island, South Carolina. Um, but it, it's great. It being the longest, it gives you an extra sense of pride, belonging. And on top of that, you also learn the most. You get to do a lot. Where we put, it's estimated to be about $120,000 just in training into each Marine while they're down there at Paris Island. Tell us a little bit about that aspect of it because again in being involved with the military can sometimes be a very daunting experience and I'll also ask was it everything that you thought it was going to be 
Yeah, so absolutely. So it's been great. So from day one, right, you go in, you figure out, hey, this is what I want to do. You talk to your recruiter, you find the job you want to do, which a lot of people don't know that we have over 100 jobs available. You can do anything that you can do in the civilian world, you can do in the military. Uh, so that's a cool thing in itself. So just being that, you go down, you complete recruit training, and then you become a Marine, and it's awesome. The sense of pride that you get uh, and everything you go for, you you go through, you see that it's for a reason, and you come out the other end of recruit training, a completely new person as you go through the transformation that we put every recruit through. So it, it's an awesome experience just that in itself. And then from there, you get to go on and you go to your schoolhouse and you learn whatever your technical skill job is. And then you can go to a unit and you actually get to do that job on an everyday basis. So my job was actually, I became a combat videographer for the Marine Corps. A combat videographer? What yeah, is so that? Like it, it's one of those jobs that a lot of people don't realize on the outside. It's just we have all these sorts of jobs. And essentially, I go a unit and I work with the media and I do videos for the Marine Corps. And then we put them out to the public. I've seen some of my videos go out and the large news agencies have used them. Uh, and then we show the Marine Corps side and the message is, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how we're training. And here's how we are advancing our technology in a lot of ways. And we incorporate that in the videos messaging that put out to the public. So I'm guessing that today's Marine Corps is not like the Marine Corps in the past with all of these new things that are being offered. That's absolutely correct. So we have really revolutionized the force here. Uh, we've dug in and we're working on technical skills and technical forces. So what we're really looking to do is incorporate good technology so that we've advanced so much just recently in the last few years. So like what you're wearing now as a Marine, just the everyday Marine would wear something that would be like special forces uh, back 10, 15 years ago. So we really advanced in technology in ways that have made it a lot better and make us so much more lethal as a branch that makes it a lot easier to protect our nation. Well, I'll tell you, that's a new one on me. I'd never heard that one. So I think a lot of people, again, have the preconceived notion that Marines are all brawn. And because of the fact that you talked about boot camp going on for so long. But I'm assuming that that's still probably very high on the must do list. Yeah, absolutely. So it starts out, so we worry about the Marine, the actual individual is what we look at. We want to train the individual themselves to become as great as they can be, to reach their full potential. So going forward, we we look into instilling leadership skills in each Marine, and we look for people to join that have, you have to be able to do well on as ASVAB. You have to be able to have good moral, uh, a good moral compass. So we take a lot into it, and then we train you to become a Marine. And then from there, we're really going into a very tech technical age um, with a lot of different drones, so many so much new technology and things that we didn't have before. But at the end of the day, it makes the force a lot safer and a lot better place. Well, recruiting is probably one of the biggest aspects because you are competing basically with so many other private companies out there. So what happens when a, a young man or woman comes to the recruiting office and says, you know, I'm thinking about this, but eh, maybe what can you tell me that will sway me to consider doing this? Yeah, so for the average person looking to join, what sets the Marine Corps apart is we're not here to sell you something in terms of give you a bonus or try to make you come over here. What we're looking for is the individuals, and it's less than 1% 
of the population that joins the force. And so much, so much even smaller that that joins the Marine Corps. So we're looking for the top notch individuals that have a good moral compass that are physically sound as well as mentally. So we discuss, Hey, what do you think that you're looking for? What is your goal in life? And we most likely have something that'll fit that between all the different jobs that we have, uh, the benefits. And that ties right into the, actually the reserves we have too. A lot of people that come in, they want to be able to do college. And that's great because the thing is that the military will pay for college while you're in, especially if you go through the reserves. So if you do the reserves, you actually get to serve in your local community. You work one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer, and you get paid for that. And you can use uh, tuition assistance where the Marine Corps actually helps to pay for you to go to college at the same time while working in your hometown. And just here in Pennsylvania, especially the Eastern part, we got a lot of reserve units. There's like one in Bristol, Allentown, Harrisburg. So you really can serve your local community right there while going to college as a full-time student. Well, when we're talking again about that whole aspect of it, you said that you had a little bit of college, so you were a little bit older. What's the difference then between someone in your position such as that and the recruits that may come even while they're still in high school? Is that, I don't want to say is it too soon, but from your experience, what do you think? In my experience, I think a lot of kids that come straight out of high school are very successful. Uh, so this is a great thing because a lot of kids that come out, they don't, students, you come out of high school, you don't always know what you want to do with your career or you don't always have the money for college and you're kind of lost. So what the military can provide is a direction, especially the Marine Corps. You come in, you can do four years and then you can get out, you can stay in longer, you can make it a career, but you come in and you learn all these basic skills um, from just how to be a good human being to a technical job. Like I said, like you could be, you could be an electrician in the military if you wanted. You learn your job and then when you get out, you have that on your resume. So those that come right out of high school actually this is a great alternative instead of sitting around not knowing what you're going to do go serve your country and at the end of the day it's going to come back and really benefit you on that resume again when you're talking about people who are coming in there are so many i mean we're we're inundated sergeant smith with movies and and all of the things we see and so many things are true maybe and so many things are not true so How do you approach that when someone comes in and says, I'm thinking about this and do you guys really do this? So in this technical age, there is a lot of that. There's a lot of myths you have to sort through different things that the media will tell you that TV, Hollywood makes look like it's something it's not. And at the end of the day, when we walk through, everyone who comes in who's interested, we'll talk to you about, well, what kind of job are you looking at? If you're not, if you don't want to get a combat job necessarily, there's lots of jobs that aren't like that. You can be supply or admin, or if you're like, hey, I want to be the guy on the front lines. All right, we can we can look at an infantry job for you. And then we kind of dispel the myths. Like, okay, with this job, you're a lot less likely to see combat. And then we also discuss like, what are things actually like, right? The depiction Hollywood shows is nothing like the real world in the real Marine Corps. So our goal is to show each individual what it is we can provide to them that will actually help them and benefit them in their service and with what they are looking for. So there's so many different jobs that we have to offer and people don't realize that. I think that's one of the biggest myths actually is that people don't realize that like the Marine Corps, we have air, land, and sea we specialize in. So there's so many different jobs you can do. You can fly helicopters if you want. Um, so we really break that down to what is it the individual is looking at and how can we help you reach your goal? 
And for, again, those who may be thinking about this and they think, well, maybe I will go to college because I can do this, I can do that. And when I get there in the Marine Corps, am I going to have any fun? (laughs) So that is something that people do ask, right? They're very curious. They want to go to college and you can do that while you're in, which is great. Or you can do it afterwards, utilizing your GI Bill. Um, but while you're in the Marine Corps, they actually will pay for you to go to college outside of your job, right? So you go to work, you do your job every day, and then there is time that you can utilize to do college while the Marine Corps is assisting with paying for that through tuition assistance. Or you can enjoy your time while you're in, and then afterwards you can use your GI Bill, and actually that will benefit you and help you to pay for college. But in terms of fun, it's a blast. There is nothing that has more camaraderie in it. It's a brotherhood, the Marine Corps. It really is. So at the end of the day, it's like being a part of that team, that pride and belonging you feel. And it's very similar like being a part of a knit-tight football team, right? What you get to do is hang out with your brothers and sisters every day and work side-by-side with them and work for each other. In a sense, that's your motivation right there. So always try to be better and strive to be better than the person to your left and right so that you benefit the team and everybody improves. And when we're talking about especially any form of the military, there's also the aspect of being healthy, of being fit. But again, you know, we hear about the Marine Corps where it's really tough. So what do you have to say to that? So all that's accurate, right? We want to be really tough because that's how we become the best. And that's what makes us elite. So the Marine Corps is a very small elite unit. It takes four Marine Corps to make up the size of the army. That's how small we are, but that's the way we want to be. So we're very selective in who we take, the kind of individual, but that doesn't make it impossible, right? There's a lot of people that get through boot camp that are able to become Marines and do a very fantastic job. It's just a matter of, We want to take the top. We want to take those that want to serve, those that want to be here, and those that want to better their community. And with that, it is tough. It's physically tough. But if you're able to get through, right, once you come into the recruiting station, they'll take a look. They'll be like, okay, we need to work on this, this, and that. You want to join? Sure, we need to work on your pull-ups. The recruiters will actually help you get there, get to where you need to be to go to boot camp. So when you're in recruit training down in Paris Island, you're very successful. Then from there, obviously being in recruit training, right? There's a lot of physical training that comes with that. So by the end of that, you're in fantastic shape and then you just kind of carry on. That's the cool thing about the Marine Corps actually is when you even get out of recruit training, you go down to your unit. There are, we have force fitness instructors. We have different programs and nutritionists. We have a lot of people that can actually help you to maintain that shape that boot camp puts you in. Wow, that sounds like a plan. Too bad I'm way out of the, I'm out of the ballpark for that, but it sounds very good. Sergeant Smith, thank you for your service. And before I let you go, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure our listeners know about the Marines? Yes, there actually is one thing that I'd like to make sure your listeners know, and this is because this comes with myths and the way it used to be. So the Marine Corps has actually recently changed its tattoo policy. A lot of people feel like they're not qualified because they have a sleeve or certain tattoos, and that's actually not true. As we're trying to become more innovative, more advanced, we've actually altered that policy. So with our tattoos now, we care more about the content versus the placement. Now, there are certain places you still can't have tattoos, such as a face tattoo, a neck tattoo, or on your hands. However... You can have a sleeve. There's a lot of different things you can now have. We just analyze the content. There's a lot of people that are qualified out there that probably don't even know that and may be interested in the Marine Corps. But it's a great thing to know is that there are a lot of changes, and that's a policy you can easily look up and find anything you need to know. You can call your local recruiting station, and that's something we can talk you through based on the tattoos that you may or may not have. 
Um, so I just think that that's a very important point that the average listener probably didn't know because this was a very recent change. Wow, you're right. And who would have thought about that at any point in time? But again, I guess things are changing and you're changing with them. Absolutely. We do everything we can here to try to make sure that we are at top-notch proficiency, right? Because we want those that have that are skilled. We want people that are good morally, physically, mentally, right? And some of those people, they may have a tattoo. So we don't want to disqualify the best of the best, potentially, just over a tattoo, unless it is something that would go against our core values. So that is something we are changing with here to become more advanced, uh, just to make us a better unit overall. Anything else that I may have forgotten or you want to make sure that everybody knows? Uh, Yeah, so for anyone listening here, if you don't know how to get more information or you're interested, all you have to do is go to marines.com and you can fill out a form on there. And what that will do is it will send it to actually the local recruiter in your area. It's not going to some help desk. You fill out that form, it goes back to a local recruiter in your area who actually goes into those high schools and is familiar with the community and is actually involved in the community. So that will be who will reach out to you if you're interested in learning more. Again, that's just marines.com. And from there, you can find any information you need and you can get in touch with your local recruiter. Thanks once again to U.S. Marine Corps Sergeant Andrew Smith, Marketing and Communications Chief Recruiting Station Harrisburg. For more information, marines.com. Saluting men and women who serve now and those who have served. U.S. Marine Corps Veteran DAV National Voluntary Services Director John Kleinsdent with How to Volunteer to Help Veterans. John, when people are looking for a reason to volunteer someplace, you are the man who can tell us how they can get involved with our veterans. How does that happen? Well, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me on today. Uh, The AV Disabled American Veterans, encouraging your listeners to get out and volunteer for veterans in the community. It's super simple. They can go to volunteerforveterans.org to learn more about what we have to offer as far as volunteer needs. And when we're talking about volunteering, John, I think a lot of people might be a little bit, ah, gee, what can I do? I don't understand what they would want. What do they need? Can you fill in some of those gaps? Absolutely. I'll say your imagination is your only limit. We're looking for individuals to become part of our DAV transportation network. You've probably seen some of our vehicles driving around in the community there. Those individuals provide free rides for veterans to and from their medical appointments. Uh, We're looking for individuals who want to volunteer for their neighbor who's a veteran who may not be able to mow his grass or shovel his sidewalk uh, or his driveway or her driveway, uh, maybe has trouble cleaning gutters. It's a great opportunity for you to get the, the, the kids involved, bring the youth with you, the young men and women volunteer, earn an opportunity to be eligible for one of our DAV scholarships that we offer. So there's a variety of ways to get involved. And I will tell all your listeners, your imagination is your only limit. Let's talk a little bit more about those scholarships. How does that program work? It's a wonderful program. Uh, DAV revamped the scholarship program late last year. We now award 10 scholarships valued at $110,000 in total. Uh, Your listeners can go to uh, DAVscholarships.org to learn more about our scholarship program, but it's super, super simple. They have to volunteer for DAV and gain 100 hours in volunteering. Uh, that's, how, that's the basis to be eligible for the scholarship. 
And the last thing is you got to be 21 years of age or younger, but go to DAVScholarships.org to learn more. John, you as a Marine Corps veteran, thank you for your service. And as the DAV National Voluntary Services Director, you must hear a lot of the feedback when you go out on programs such as this. What do you hear about that? What do the people who volunteer get back? Well, I'll tell you a wonderful story that I like sharing, and it never gets old. I want to talk about an individual by the name of Adam Greathouse. He was severely injured in his military uh, service, and they did not expect him to survive. While he was uh, physically recovering, he went to a very deep and depressive state. He found out about DAV through our winter sports clinic that we put on with the Department of Veterans Affairs. After attending that event, uh, he asked how he could give back. I encouraged him to become a volunteer. He went home to his home state of West Virginia, became a peer-to-peer counselor at the Huntington VA, and is now thriving greatly by volunteering and giving back to his fellow brothers and sisters who serve. That's the kind of impact uh, DAV has on, in regards to our programs, and we encourage all your listeners to consider becoming a volunteer. Check us out at volunteerforveterans.org. You mentioned the Department of Veterans Affairs, and we have VA medical facilities in our area here. Would that be somewhere that our listeners would start? Uh, Yeah, they can start there. They can go in, uh, ask to speak to the Voluntary Services Department and tell them they want to become a DAV volunteer and find out what needs they have. Again, our transportation network is a great need. An individual is uh, able to pass a fiscal, has a valid driver's license, and is insurable. Uh, We definitely would consider them to become a DAV volunteer driver. They can also go to volunteerforveterans.org, complete an application process on that page, and we can reach out to them and walk them through whatever volunteer opportunity would best fit them. So we can screen them that way as well. You mentioned that you have sports programs and also the National Disabled Veterans Golf Clinic each year. Are those on a national level? Do you ever come down to a local level such as here in Northeast Pennsylvania? Or are there other types of events like that that we might be able to find out about? Those are national programs that what we hold in a central location every year. There are local programs. I would, again, encourage your listeners to check us out at volunteerforveterans.org. Let us know what your interest is. We can help walk them through that process. There are local events that take place, like a, a PGA Hope is a regional event that takes place, and it's it's modeled very closely to the National Disabled Veterans Golf Clinic. That's something locally that would probably take place in your area. You mentioned going and helping veterans that are in your community. How would we know if we don't know who our neighbors are? Sometimes in this day, we have no idea who lives next door or down the street, but Are there ways that we would be able to find out if we have any that close to home? If you go to volunteerforveterans.org, yes. Uh, Fill out, say you want to become a volunteer. What we do is we then go into our database and we find a veteran in the area who has a need. And we'll notify you in an email that says, hey, there's an individual within a 25-mile radius of where you're located that has a need. Are you willing to help us meet that need? So we do all the legwork for you behind the scenes. That's It's a really simple process. I would also encourage your listeners to consider doing stuff at veteran memorials. You know, they could always use a quick cleanup, talk to the local town, let them know you're wanting to organize an opportunity for families to get out and clean up a memorial and do it in honor of DAV. That That's one great opportunity. And also reach out to your local DAV chapter, the Northeast 
portion of Pennsylvania has very active chapters in the area, uh, they'd be glad to entertain volunteer opportunities from your listeners. It's a very simple process. Getting the word out about volunteering and involving veterans, again, as I said in the very beginning, can sometimes be a little bit daunting for people because, again, you don't know sometimes how to approach them, as you told us the story of of the gentleman who was still dealing with a lot of things. Would you have any advice for any of our listeners who may be thinking about this and are just a little bit, oh, maybe I don't know what to say, maybe I don't know what to do, I don't want to offend anyone? What would be your advice on that? Simple. Thank them for their service. Let them know that you're there to help. If there's something that comes up, have them reach out. Don't be afraid. Uh, Walk up to them, say, appreciate your service. Glad to help out. Let me know what we can do. Uh, get involved with the local DAV chapter. Let them know your interest as a group or as an individual, and they'll definitely help walk you through that process. John, you've given us a lot of good resources. So what I'm going to ask you to do right now is to put it all together in a nutshell with the information as far as where we can get more information, either nationally, locally. I'll turn it over to you. I'd just like to thank our nation's veterans and their families for their service and sacrifice to our country. And a big thank you to everyone volunteering their time to help veterans. For more information or to find out what best fits you, go to volunteerforveterans.org to learn more about what DAV has to offer. This weekend, Saturday, May 21st, it is Armed Forces Day, celebrated the third Sunday in May, saluting the men and women who serve in all branches of the U.S. military. Memorial Day is right around the corner, a big weekend, and there's a carnival coming up in Jessup. We'll have the details. And how are things in your community? We'll find out with the 2022 AARP Livability Index next on Special Edition. Welcome back to Special Edition. We're going to find out how things are in your community when we talk with Dr. Rodney Harrell. He's the AARP Vice President, Family, Home, and Community, and he's going to tell us about the Livability Index. But first, an invitation. Memorial Day weekend right around the corner, and so is the 30th Annual Carnival of the Jessup Hose Company Number no. 2. Dom Perini has your invitation. The uh, Jessup Post Company Number no. 2, 30th Year Annual Carnival, which starts on May 25th and runs through May 30th. We have nightly entertainment Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. No cover charge. Enjoy all the entertainment. We have ride specials. We have a spectacular fireworks display on Sunday night at 9.30. Of course, our midway host would be Swikeass Amusement, who do a wonderful job for us. We have games. We'll have plenty of food. And it's just a grand old time. And it just happens to coincide with what weekend? It's the Memorial Day weekend. So everybody is off on Monday so they can relax. (laughs) Exactly. So you have all kinds of fun that people can take part in. And where exactly is this located? It's at 333 Hill Street in Jessup. You come up the Casey Highway, you get off exit number three, and it's all downhill from there. You had a little bit of, again, just like everyone else, some time off during the COVID pandemic. So now you're coming back and I'm assuming you're stronger than ever. We are. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody will do what they feel to be comfortable. 
If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. It's a lot of people. You'll be close to people. COVID is still not gone. I don't think COVID will ever be gone. So we have to protect ourselves, whichever way we see fit to do so. So we're not mandatorily making everybody wear a mask, but you got to do that as you feel fit to take care of yourself. And of course, we're talking Jessup, so there must, there must, Dom, be some food somewhere there. Oh, there's lots of food. There's carnival food, uh, which, you know, people want to come for a funnel cake. They want to come for a pizza frita. They want to come for those things that you generally only could get at outdoor or indoor function. And remember, it also on Saturday, May 28th, is St. Ubaldo Day. So you'll have St. Ubaldo festivities all day long. They'll start off in the morning. They'll go around town with the band. They'll wake everybody up. They'll have mass uh, during the day. And they'll each go back to their appropriate houses. And everybody has a grand old time getting ready for five o'clock when they actually have the event. So it's not only happening just there, but everybody is going to be back on the fire company grounds once all of that is over because the celebration is going to continue. Absolutely. And they just had the St. Ubaldo festivities in Gubbio, Italy on May 15th. It's always on May 15th out there, whatever day that lands on. So this year it landed on Sunday. And uh, we actually watched it on television. If they didn't have a half a million people, they didn't have one. Do you think that maybe Jessup is going to see a half million people this time, Dom? I, I don't think we could fit a half million people, Paula. <laughs> but but, but Je- Jessup will have whatever we could fit. <laughs> and I think there's always room for at least one more, just like one more cannoli. I bet you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, give us again all the details on the carnival, the times, the how to get there, all the food, all the fun. You know all this stuff, Dom. You are the Carnival King. Yeah, right. It's uh, May 25th through May 30th. It's nightly entertainment. It's food. It's games. It's rides. It's just a lot of fun. And then, of course, Saturday, the 28th, is St. Ubaldo festivities. Sunday, the 29th, is a grand spectacular fireworks display at 930. There's rides, there's games, there's food, there's prizes. And the bottom line, it's a lot of fun. And everybody should be itchy to get out because of being tied up with COVID so much. So I'm going to give you the last word. Issue that invitation and get that half million people there. Come on out to Jessup Post Company Number 2's 30th Annual Fireman's Carnival. Happening May 25th through May 30th. And let's have a lot of fun. And let's get some fresh air. But be safe and be careful as to how you see yourself coming out into the public. Dom Perini with all the details about the 30th Annual Carnival of Jessup Hose Company Number 2 and the St. Ubaldo festivities coming in Jessup. Now we're going to turn things over to Dr. Rodney Harrell. He is the AARP Vice President, Family, Home and Community. He's going to give us the details of the 2022 AARP Livability Index, and we also take a look at Northeast PA. Dr. Harrell, welcome. Always a pleasure to talk with the folks from AARP. And now you're out with the Livability Index scores. What does that mean? 
Well, thanks for having me. And what we've just done is we've relaunched our livability index, where we score every neighborhood and community in the country. Uh, we first started this in 2015, and just recently we've updated it with a major update to our uh, scores and our design of the index. Very excited about it. And created some new top 10 lists as well. And what are you looking for? What exactly do you mean when you say livability? Well, we know that most older adults in this country, the vast majority of people over 50, uh, want to stay in the homes and communities as they age. But we also know that there's some great challenges in doing so. And the idea was we needed to create a tool to help us understand how livable communities were. What were the challenges communities were facing? What were the benefits of those communities? And what could communities do to improve? And so we created the index to help do that. Really excited about the changes this year because uh, we've had so much great use of the index. We've redesigned it to be even uh, more useful for consumers who are trying to find out where to live or find out more about their community. So what are you looking at? Seven categories uh, in the index. Things like housing, transportation, environmental quality, uh, access to opportunities, the health of the community, the environment, uh, and the social engagement in the community as well. So we across those seven categories, we look at uh, 40 different metrics, and we now have 21 public policies that the state or community could adopt to improve on those uh, 40 metrics that we look at. The idea of a snapshot of the community across a wide range of things, because we have those things intersect. Where you live, uh, the housing costs matter, but also the transportation costs do. So we wanted all that in one place. I had a little opportunity before we got together today, and we are in the Northeast Pennsylvania area, and I looked up Wilkesbury, Scranton, Hazleton. And Wilkesbury comes up with an overall livability score of 55. Scranton has 56 and Hazleton has 57. So what if someone looks at those pages on the website and we'll give folks the address in just a moment, what would those kind of scores mean to them? Well, the first thing is that overall score you mentioned is on a scale of zero to 100. The idea is that the average neighborhood in the country is out of 50. So all of the communities you just mentioned are slightly above that average, which means there's good things there. But also, you know, there's a large gap between 57 and 100. Uh, no community scores 100 on the index, by the way. But that gap tells us what challenges there might be in a community. Give you a couple of things like the uh, lower high school graduation rates, uh, lower access to exercise opportunities, and the smoking and obesity rates are a little higher than average. So those are a few challenges those communities you mentioned. And you said no one scored 100? Correct. Did anybody come and close? No one comes close to 100. And the idea is that those communities that have things like the great access to parks and the wonderful uh, housing stock and no crime and everything's great. Well, if you're in that community, the housing costs are probably sky high. And so there's always a trade-off between communities. And what I like best about the index is that it shows those trade-offs. But it also shows that in communities that we may not think of as uh, you know, top communities for whatever reason. There are great things in those communities as well. Does weather play a factor? Weather doesn't, and that's for a very specific reason. We want to measure the things that are on the ground in the community, uh, not necessarily, might be your personal preference or not. But with the index itself, we'd like community leaders, for example, to look at ways that they could uh, improve transportation options in your town, uh, because that might be a challenge there. The idea is that we want to really help communities improve, and I don't want to punish communities uh, for having what's considered bad weather. You're looking at this as a way for local leaders to be able to get involved. First of all, where would someone find the Livability Index? Well, everyone can access the index at www.aarp.org 
slash livability index. And once they get there, are there places that the communities can then go for more assistance, for more suggestions, taking it one step above just the residents there? Well, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you two answers to that. One is that anyone is now empowered with the index to go into their community meeting and share this information. I've done that in my own community. With the uh, poor hostile access we had, I was able to bring the index in and discuss at a community meeting about how that was a big challenge for us and we needed to do something about that. So you've got that power of information at your fingertips that formerly would have taken you a long time and a lot of knowledge on the internet to find. Uh, the second thing, uh, community leaders could use the index to highlight some of those challenges or issues that I mentioned and really look at some of the things they're uh, wanting to change in communities. When we talk about this with urban planners and the like, I call it the urban planner's best friend because it really shows community members the kind of things that uh, those folks are talking about, the kind of things that you can improve in, in communities wherever you are. You collaborated with the National Association of Realtors. How did that work out? So it's great that we have this relationship with the National Association of Realtors. It really helps us bring this information to millions more people uh, than we would otherwise. And so uh, what happens now is your realtor, when they're showing you a home, can show you a printout of the features of the home, a whole range of things. And amongst those will be the livability index category scores, so those categories I mentioned, and the overall livability index score. And that way, you have a sneak peek at how your community is doing in those things like housing costs or transportation or uh, quality of the environment and the others. And so the idea is that it's helping give you pertinent information about the neighborhood as the realtor is talking to you about uh, the home itself. So really giving you that preview of how that neighborhood might work for you over time. Did you have local interviews with people, with residents? So we've done a lot of interviewing and surveying. That's one thing that um, ARP does well. So we had a huge national survey that we did back when we originally created the index to find out the kind of things that people wanted. And what was really interesting about that survey work was that when you talk to somebody uh, who doesn't have challenges, for example, let's say somebody who drives, uh, they don't think about the fact uh, that they might need things within walking distance. But that same type of person who is no longer able to drive, be it for income reasons, their visions uh, degraded or what have you, that same person would find having stores and other things within walking distance to be much more important. So the idea of the index is we're bringing all of those preferences together. We want to capture the entire community's needs so people of all ages, all incomes, all levels of physical ability. And what we did was we got together with a panel of national experts on the issues and crafted the index into the 40 metrics and 21 policies that we have today. And one of the things I noticed when I looked at uh, Wilkes-Barre was that they have a high level accessibility option for people who may be in wheelchairs or other uh, limited mobility. And, uh, and that's really a good thing to be proud of because people do need options to get around. I've seen too many people who had the home of their dreams when they were younger uh, but then as things happen, maybe a spouse passes, maybe you no longer drive, now you're isolated. And uh, having public transportation options really is one way to help avoid that. Dr. Harrell, could you give us once again the where to find all of this information? Once again, you can find the index and all the data in it at www.aarp.org slash livability index. All the details there of the 2022 AARP Livability Index. And thanks to Dr. Rodney Harrell for joining us. If you would like to find out more about that and see where your community is, 
you can log on to aarp.com slash livability index. Don't go away. The Scranton Public Library fundraiser up next on Special Edition. So many people wanted more information about the upcoming Swingin' on the Vine fundraiser for the Scranton Public Library that we're bringing back Jessica Sorrenti and Jenny Schoner with the details. Well, thanks for having us on, Paula. Um, We're really excited about this. This is the Scranton Public Library's 11th annual Swingin' on Vine fundraiser. For the library, it's a huge block party. Because of pandemic concerns, we were not able to host it the last two years, but we're very happy to bring it back. It is mainly an outdoor event, so we're very happy about that. Fingers crossed for nice weather. It is going to happen rain or shine. And it kind of says it in the name. It's a huge block party. We have food, seasonal cocktails, beer, wine, margaritas. We have live music going on. I want to talk a little bit about the food and drink, and then if Jenny wants to chime in about the band. Food first, it's cookout style. So you've got your hot dogs, you've got your different salads and chips and everything good like that. And, of course, we have desserts that are donated by several local businesses, including Gertrude Hawk. They do a wonderful job with us every year. They support us. And the drinks, we do beer, wine, and margaritas. Uh, And of course, we have soft serve and water. It's a lot of fun. It's $20 in advance or $25 gets you in the door. We close off the 500 block of Vine Street right in front of the Albright Memorial Library. So we close that, that block off completely. We get the tents up. We get the showmobile going in Scranton. And it's a roaring good time. Jessica, you have set the stage. And speaking of the stage, Jenny is here and she is going to tell us who's going to be on that stage, Jenny. Yes, it's going to be the band Picture Perfect. And I am personal friends with this band. They are 11 piece band and their styles vary from Casey and Sunshine Band. They play Jackson 5, but they also play Top 40 hits. Bruno Mars, Beyonce, Usher, Adele, music for everyone. Six o'clock they start. So the the event starts at five. So you come in, you get your food, you relax, you chill. And then six o'clock, the music gets going, the party gets going. And we actually reserve part of the street off for the dance floor, if you will. So we can get it. And everyone does dance. Oh, it's fun. It's a good time. Well, that sounds like the perfect time in Scranton. Now, tell us exactly where the library is. I know you said the 500 block of Vine Street. So is that where the library is? Yes. So in Scranton, um, right right in downtown Scranton, we are on the corner of North Washington Avenue and the 500 block of Vine Street. So we close off that that Vine Street block and right across from us is Lackawanna College. We will actually have parking with Lackawanna College for attendees so you can actually park in their lot and come right across over to us. So we're right there and the library's right there. So most of the event is held outside on the street, but then we do have desserts and raffles indoors in the library because we ideally want to want people to come into the library and see what we have. And I can tell you about the raffles. We have a hundred dollar Wegman card, lottery baskets, Passes for Lehigh Valley Zoo, Rail Rider passes, Dorney Park tickets, passes for Roba's Family Farm, uh, Longwood Gardens, and Sandy's. There's lots for everyone. Wow. That does sound like it's going to be a fun-filled event. And what is this Makerspace program? Ah, yes. The Makerspace, uh, my coworker is actually, she's the one that's the brains uh, behind it. The Makerspace is 
is basically a space where you can come in and create. We, with a grant from the Scranton Area Community Foundation, started this program. And it started with our Maker Mondays that we were doing monthly. And then it just kept going because they were getting really popular. So we decided, hey, let's actually buy a couple cricket machines that do different things. Let's buy an embroidery machine. Let's buy a laser cutter so that people can actually see how this equipment works. They have the opportunity to use it to create their own crafts and, and just letting them explore because some of this equipment can get very expensive and sometimes it can get outdated pretty quickly. So for those people who are maybe on the fence of, hey, you know, I've always heard about a cricket machine, but I don't know how it works. Or I've always wanted to try sewing and I just don't have the time and I don't have the, the equipment to do it. The makerspace is for that purpose. It's so you can come in and you can actually see how this equipment works and how you can do this. And then going from there, you can either just continue to use the service at the library or you may decide to invest in your own equipment. But it's it's a chance for everyone to see how it works. So my coworker, her name is Tina, she's been the brains behind all of this. And uh, she's just been doing a wonderful job getting the kickstart and off the ground. Uh, she's got a wonderful group of people who come in for her Maker Mondays every month. And she's been telling them and then it just keeps expanding from there. So we're excited because part of Swinging on Vine is, is to help support the programs and services at the library. So while the makerspace was able to be kicked off by a wonderful grant, we need to keep it going. We need to make sure we can keep it going. So this fundraiser will help do that. And there's also an embroidery machine and podcast equipment. You folks are really into everything. Hey, that's the library of the 21st century. I think that's probably one of the best ways to sum it up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's it's not the library that we, well, it is the library building that we all remember mm-hmm. growing up. But what's inside has certainly really changed. And you, of course, we want to give a mention to the fact that you have the children's library right next door. And there is a building mm-hmm. block party that's coming for them, too. Or is that the same night? They do a building block party, I believe. Jenny, correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's every Thursday. It's Thursday night at 6 o'clock, yes. But the, uh, yeah. that day at 1030, we are going to have a program. It's going to be TUG. Actually, if you want more information about that program, if you go onto our website, it's www.albright.org. This program will be for children, and you can also give us a call at 570-348-3000, and we can give you more information about that. That's perfect, because again, people are always saying what goes on at the library, and now you have so much that you need to have that Mm -hmm. website. All right, I'm going to go back over to Jessica very quickly so that you can give us the details on the food and all that stuff. And then we'll go back over to Jenny and she can tell us about the band. And it's all about Swinging on Vine, Friday, May 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. That's right. So we have uh, a lot of food coming in. We've got a cookout style this year. So it's a little bit different from previous years. What we're doing is we're having hot dogs. Um, We have different side salads. So there are going to be vegan options there. Um, We're going to have chips and all that kind of good stuff. And we have a wonderful selection of desserts. We have some wonderful support. Uh, I can't say enough how great they are. Richard Fox 
always donates every year our desserts and they're doing so again this year. And I, I want to thank them on the radio because I know that they're a local business and they've been hit hard in different ways with the pandemic. So I and the library really appreciates their support this year, especially. We usually get Manuka Bakery as well. They donate cakes. And then honestly, it's a lot of the Scranton Public Library staff and friends and volunteers that donate desserts as well. So it's all homemade. So it's, it's a wonderful time. So that's the food. And then the drinks, you've got your beer, wine, and margaritas, seasonal cocktail. If you are not into alcoholic beverages, we do have water and soft drinks for you as well. Now, because there is alcohol involved, you need to be 21 to attend the event. We've gotten all this food and drink. And now, Jenny, we need to work it off. How are we going to do that? We're going to do lots of dancing with the band that we have selected. Uh, personal friends of mine, Picture Perfect. They are an 11-piece New York-style high-energy party band from uh, the scranton Wilkesbury area. They play all types of music, top 40 hits, also some funk, disco, R&B, Latin, something for everyone. They are diverse bands and they are really excited to uh, perform for this event. And what's the cost? The cost for the event is $20 before the event and then $25 at the door. You can also purchase our tickets on our website, www.albright.org, or you can also stop at one of our locations. We have them at Albright, Nancy K. Holmes Branch Library, uh, Library Express, and we also are selling, selling them at the Children's Library. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.